0: hey everybody welcome back to another episode of off the top and today we are going to be talking about something that um, you get told regularly to do it's almost like flossing you get told to do it every day Uh, you don't seem to get to it and this is about investing
1: yeah i would agree Uh, i don't floss every day (laughs) but investing something i hear all the time And there's a few different ways of investing if you're wondering, like, you know, I'm 22, I'm 18, I'm 25, and I don't have the resources to invest or, like, I don't know how to invest. I think it's a topic that people at a younger age should start at a younger age to get ahead of everyone else who's just kind of sitting stagnant.
0: Yeah, and understandably so, because investing is one of those things that you see and it's like, holy cow, this thing's daunting. I mean, there's so much information. There's so many things you have to watch out for. There's so many things going on the market. It's like, where do you start? So understandably so, it's there seems like a little bit of a lag or reluctancy to start that on your own.
1: Yeah, and to my extent, I would know that. Um, from what I've heard from you, seeing that you've studied for the CFA which is Mm -hmm. a pretty good, I guess, description or idea of how you work and where your mind is. I think it's good for you to start on, you know, then investing basics.
0: Gotcha. All right, I'm going. So as far as investment basics go, I think the really important thing to start out with is your goal. And I feel like that might be all encompassing and Uh, Is something that you should start out with with anything, but why are you investing? Are you investing to retire um, at 65 or earlier are you investing to make a little bit of side money so when you go on trips, you have something to spend or because I mean really the goal is to uh, create a situation or environment that best suits your needs at the time or your goals in the future, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think you touched on a good thing like what is your goal and if you're trying to make money fast or short term or you're focusing on long term, it is very important to realize that because some investment strategies are going to be completely different than other ones and I think too, it's at a younger age, if you can focus on a long term goal and a short term goal, you'll be much more successful than your friends or the people in your group um, and that comes in the forms of you know traditional and non-traditional I think a good place to start is kind of that traditional base. Um so when was the what was the first thing you invested in on a
0: traditional scale? On a traditional scale, uh I just invested in some just some random stocks, quite frankly. Uh not so to speak random. Uh I remember one was Intel, one was NRG, which I'm still in today and it's been killing it. Um the and just a few others. But the main reason that I started investing in just purely stocks, which I mean sometimes is not your ideal position to get in at at first is just because of my situation. So I'm young. Uh, I don't really mind uh, that if my money goes up and down uh, relative to like, let's say that you wanted something that was safe and diversified and you know, would be more safer in like inclement times but wouldn't be as like aggressive during great times you could go for like a index fund or some sort of mutual fund that's all encompassing there's some really great uh see i'm trying to like stop myself from just like <laughs> just flowing and kind like saying things yeah i was about to uh reference um so the P 500 is a stock market um kind of like a Portfolio or box, and what it stands for is the Standard and Poor's 500. Uh, if you guys were interested in that fun fact, <laughs> but what's in there is just—I mean, at the time there was 500. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if there's 500 still in there, but what's what it is is it constitutes a whole bunch of companies that are publicly traded and so the the reason that I mentioned that is because it's a really strong indicator of how the market's doing. You also have you know your NASDAq or your New York stock exchange type uh, same sort of things um, but the s and p five hundred to me is kind of like the one that um, you can go back on and it's kind of a little more diversified. um the the Dow is more kind of like industrial or machining companies and the NYSE kind of, or the NASDAQ leans a little bit more to like tech companies and things of that nature. So yeah, you have this nice amalgam for the S and P 500, which allows the diversity to protect you from, you know, externalities or random things happening. So let's say that I own uh, stock in Intel and AMD, which is never a good thing to own. Well, at least I wouldn't <laughs> recommend owning two stocks or owning two companies in the same kind of realm. Cause then you go in and you're like, how much of the piece of the pie is one taking from the other type thing. But anyway, so I own those two stocks and you own an S and P 500 index. So let's say it's a really good day for me and uh, Intel shoots up like 7% or something like that. And you might, you probably won't see that sort of gain. Maybe you have Intel in that mutual fund or index fund you have, but it's weighted with a whole bunch of other stocks. So what that means is you see that rise a little bit, but it has to also overcome what other stocks are doing in the market as, as well that are in your portfolio. But for me, I have um, the, just the kind of, I have all my eggs in two baskets sort of thing, and you have your eggs in a whole bunch of baskets, which eventually, I mean, it works out on great climates and when I know specifically that that stock's gonna go up through my research and due diligence. But if you're just looking for something that's safe and will give you great returns over years, then you can't really beat a, just a really diversified and um, all-encompassing index fund.
1: Yeah. So I think the next question people are going to be asking is: You started at a young age, and with our technology and where it's at, it's not hard to get into. You know, investing in a stock. There is a ton of resources and free content out there for you to understand. And me personally, I haven't done it yet. I just haven't found the time to research the S and P or various trends, but I think it's important to know what would some of the applications or companies or pathways to get in if you're interested to purchasing a stock and researching the trends of
0: what they're doing. Yeah. Great question. So, I mean, first off the, the most like best way to do it. And sometimes it's not the most applicable or, um, accessible way is to if you know somebody who is pretty um knowledgeable or is erudite in stocks then th- I would go to them first if not uh depending on what you want to do you can kind of just expose yourself to it i mean just every day just go on to yahoo finance and see what the latest like news things are or see what's going up and what's going down. And even I do this to this day, like I'll have, I'll see like the trending tickers and I'll see like the gainers and the the losers and I'll click on some of those and see, okay, so why is this happening? And once you read and uh, kind of assess the information that they're giving you, you can say, okay, so what this means is that in a scenario of X, then this stock usually goes up because of Y. Or things like that, but as far as like um, online, like knowledge-based information things, uh, if you wanted to look at specific stocks, I mean, there's so many things. But one that kind of comes up in my head, and I don't know really why, but it is a good resource. Is as deplorable as he is, Martin Shkreli had a YouTube series on how he broke down stocks, and I'm not condoning the guy for his actions or anything, but. He uh, is pretty good at explaining them. So I would suggest looking up that. um, If we'll have a link in the description once we find it, so for you guys. So, um,
1: so Martin Shrelly is the guy who won the one I'll know him for is he bought the Wu Tang album. (laughs) They sold an Wu Tang, sold an album that was only one of them, and he bought it for a ton of money and then offered to set, give it to the public for a ton of money. So right now we think this has an album sitting in this dude's closet and he's also known for hiking the prices on, um, medical.
0: Yeah. So what it was, was, um, from my, from me remembering if I'm remembering correctly, he hiked up the medicine on a HIV medication. So it was kind of like a venture capitalist, uh, he bought, he got a chair position or enough power in this company where he hiked up the price and I think he also might've done it with EpiPens.
1: Yeah, I think that sounds right. And like, obviously we don't condone that, but I think it's a thing to take in fact, if you're interested in stocks, there are a lot of people out there that are like that, 100% business, making their money. And if, like he touched on earlier, like if you can get in contact with some of these people, they might not be the nicest, but they might know They might be the ones who are really winning, because if you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And further, I think it's important to understand that you can't always be nice in the stock market. Would you say that's true?
0: Um, Well, it's not like... I think that the stock market's big enough that you don't have to undercut or... Tell somebody to go invest in this thing as you're selling it. Cause that's just like, that's, that, those deplorable things I feel like will come around and bite you in the butt. And the fact that people will know you as this shark type character. Um, I would suggest, I mean, the best way to do it is uh, share your knowledge freely. And in return, people will be more willing to share their knowledge with you, regardless if it's right, wrong, or it's super, resourceful or valuable to you or not, um, the more knowledge that's out there, the better conditions there will be. So I wouldn't say like that these people are anything to idolize, but what you can take away from them is the knowledge that they have in this industry is sometimes very superior to others, yeah. but you know, good and bad.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to think that a lot of things are long-term, our generation so focused on short-term goals stocks maybe potentially you could put in a hundred bucks and get a thousand out but not most of the cases kind of hard to find those because if they were easy to find everyone would be doing it right
0: um well uh, the thing that comes to my mind when you said that was uh, first off, you got to think about time frame. Like you said, in the long run, the, putting in a hundred bucks and getting out a thousand, depending on how many years that that money is in there working, that might not be as crazy as you think, depending on the market. But uh, it's not going to be a thing where. So, I would say that the people who are so, for instance, I get this uh, a little bit. Um, I'll randomly run into somebody and. Uh, they'll be like, yeah, like uh, there's this penny stock out there that uh, is pending a Chinese government patent, and
1: so in the middle of that, what is a penny stock?
0: A penny stock is a stock, and it's a loose term, but a penny stock is a stock that is traded for very little money per share. So for instance, something that is traded for three cents a share would technically be constituted as penny stock or even, I would say even anything under a dollar and sometimes uh, depending on the scenario, you could kind of say, oh, that's a penny stock and something's a dollar around there. Okay. But um, back on the thing, uh, there's it's kind of funny, there's a thing called the taxi cap, excuse me, there's a thing called the taxi cap effect. And what it is, is that you know it's time to get out of whatever you're into if your taxi cab driver is telling you that they're involved in it. So, for instance, um, uh, that happened with the real estate market. But, uh, but anyway, so the thing is, is that don't, if something's too good to be true and you can kind of sense it, then it's too good to be true. So, don't believe your uncle's dog's best friend if they say, you know, uh, I'm into this company and I heard from a higher up that they're doing X, Y, or Z. First off, that's illegal. Uh, secondly, um, insider trading that is is illegal. Secondly, uh, unless you do your due diligence and do your own research, then what you're doing is setting yourself up for possible failure in the fact that you're putting all your trust in this person's um, emotions and thoughts, and maybe their lack of due diligence as well.
1: No, and I think um, it's a trending thing is if you put all your all of your eggs in one basket, um, can be very harmful. It could turn out, but at the same time, it could hurt you. Could come back to bite you. Um, going further, if I was a twenty-three-year-old young adult, making working a minimum wage to retail job, what would be an amount or a good amount of money to start into investing?
0: Um, To start investing, if if that's the scenario, 23, don't have a high-paying job, there's a few things that you can do. Uh, First off, I really recommend that um, anybody early in their career, whatever they're doing, if they're getting paid... A lower wage than they expect to be getting paid in the future. uh, Use the Roth. Use the Roth IRA, which is a what it is is a individual retirement account. Um, And the reason it's called Roth, I mean, people probably have heard of the Roth IRA or the 401k. And uh, I, if I can take a moment, I'll kind of describe both of these things. Um, so first off the Roth IRA, what it is, is it's post tax. It's basically a post tax bank account that you use as an investment account for retirement. Um, and the 401k is a pre-tax one. So basically what you're doing is, um, you're getting taxed on the money, then you put it in your Roth. But for the 401k, before you get taxed, you put it in your 401k. So your taxable income goes down, which is really attractive in some cases, but you got to think so. The Roth is really nice for people who are lower in like earlier in their career because they have a lot higher earning potential. So for instance, some guy's making 30,000 right now. Um, and he's getting taxed at a way lower bracket than in 15 years when he's making 95 K, he's going to be taxed a lot higher. So you want to, when he's ha- when he has that 30 K annual salary, he wants to be going heavy in the Roth. And then once he has gets in that higher tax bracket, he's going to be wanting to put the majority, if not all, I mean, it's kind of a blend, but the majority of it in the 401k. So that's what I'd first say is get your retirement figured out your retirement accounts figured out. Secondly, um, the power of, um, compounded interest over time, Um, there's a quote by Albert Einstein. Yeah. Somebody asked him, I'm not sure if this is some sort of fallacy or, uh, something like that. But, um, he said, basically, somebody asked him what's the most powerful force in the universe. And he said, compound interest over time. And so what that means is the longer that you have your money growing, the bigger it gets. And it's an exponential thing. So, you want to be as aggressive as you can. And I know it sucks being young. I mean, I'm young and I try to save, uh, but you kind of get split and torn between the, sh- the things you want to have and the things that yeah. <laughs> you want to save for. But you, you gotta, you gotta save your money and invest. And if you're not comfortable with investing your money in individual stocks, if you're not ready to take that step and some people never do, then there's tons of really great mutual fund and index funds, that you can invest your money in that'll just follow the market. And usually the market will go up. And the thing is too, is I wanna tell people and get this in their heads is that when things are really good, people will expect a crash. And granted, like that's a natural propensity of like, oh, things are getting so expensive, this isn't gonna last long. That's fair, that's understandable. And I don't think that that's wrong to think, but at the same time, uh, I know people that withdrew out of the market and now are waiting and they've been waiting for months and months and months for this thing to like go down or readjust. And it hasn't yet. And while they're waiting with their liquid cash, people who stayed invested, uh, have their assets going up and up and up. And so the thing is, is like nobody, nobody can time the market perfectly every time. And, I don't think anybody should be in the business of catching falling knives as a, as a kind of a analogy for, uh, getting the market when it's the lowest and like getting out before it drops. But, um, you miss out on those days, those huge days. And, um, you lose no matter what, if you take your money out in a crash.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like those. So you talked about, Spending or the difficulty of saving to spending. And I think it's important to know if you don't have the time to research the market or investing 401k plans, Ross, and you're just trying to get through life and eventually down the road you'll get there, there's a lot of forms of non traditional investing in which I personally use at the moment. Like I said earlier, I don't have time, but there's a lot of things out there that you can kind of invest in now and long term, get a return on.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many ways to invest your money, regardless if it's education or kind of um, assets that are a little more untraditional, like you said. For instance, um, you have a a panoply, an impressive collection of shoes that you've kind of uh talked to me about. Um another form of investment is um real estate. That's a big one. The and I mean there's just so many ways to do it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I guess I'll start with my story but since you touched do. on it. That you know, I would say I have more shoes than the average person, saying the average person probably has eight pairs of shoes, eight to ten. Um, I, I have more than that. I'm going to say I have a whole, a huge amount some people you see on the internet flexing, but I do have a good amount. And originally it starts as a passion. So I'm up to date on release dates, what's hot, what's not. And I'm purchasing shoes that I personally, personally like that I'll eventually wear. But there comes this time when before I wear them, I realize that there is some value. So an example is I have a pair of air Jordan one shattered backboards and I purchased those for $160 plus a discount. Um, Shout out to footlocker and so I unfortunately I've worn them, but the market slowly was rising on them. And now at this point that pair of shoes that I bought at 160 bucks plus a discount is going for $1,100 in the size I have. Right? So that is a, middle, short-term, long-term, in the middle of those kind of investment that down the road, if I w- wouldn't have worn them and I would have sold them, I would have had you know a $1,000 markup minus eBay fees or whatever product I use. And I think it's important as a the younger generation that you don't necessarily have to be in the market, but if you find something you're passionate about, whether it be cars or shoes, there's a way to get your money back. And at the end of the day, the way I look at it now is, I have X amount of shoes, um, X amount aren't worn, not because I don't want to wear them, but because it'd be ignorant for me to wear them. Cause when I graduate college or in two, three years and I want to work on a down payment on a home, I have X amount of shoes that I can sell and get a decent amount of money for and put that towards a home.
0: Yeah. I I think that's a perfect, uh, example of, or that really exemplifies the, essence of alternative investing or uh, putting your money in assets that wouldn't be technically called traditional um things like that are obviously you have to have a very like well good working knowledge or be very savvy in the industry of shoes to um navigate like okay i know that this shoe is probably going to be fetch a lot of money and going to be a good investment in the future compared to this shoe And that's something that I feel like a sense that you've kind of like you've refined over the years. Um, and everybody has their passions. For instance, anybody can be a you in their own field. Um, I just I think it takes the um, openness to learn what's going on and be able and willing to make mistakes. I'm sure that you've never I mean, I'm sure you haven't came out unscathed through all this. Yeah.
1: And what he touched on is everyone has their passion. And regardless, it doesn't have to be a tangible item. Um, If you're really passionate about video, videography or video creation, video editing, photo, Photoshop, um, if you're investing your time into becoming a master and a head and shoulders above your competition in the long term, you're going to see a return on that if you decide to monetize it. So, for example, so a lot you see this huge trend of photographers now that started watching YouTube videos or reading blogs on, you know, how to edit a photo or these angles or kind of the fundamentals and then put their own twist on it. And now they are instagram influencers pulling in fifteen thousand a month just from their instagram and not counting other income sources or you have like the wedding photographers on the weekend who turn their craft into money which in turn it isn't this necessarily the same as an investment but it is an investment of your time that ends up producing more income or revenue for you at the end
0: yeah absolutely i mean the thing that i think the general census you're trying to pick up on or you did is that the gig economy is alive, really, really alive, especially in this generation of having platforms like Fiverr or um, I know that there's a few others that give you the opportunity to market your skills uh, for money. And it could just be a side gig, like you said, something you do on the weekends while you work or during the week. But anything like that Uh, it's an investment of obviously you invested your time to the skill and then you're getting those that money back from your investment in the jobs that you do
1: yeah and i think kind of going back to traditional investing there's also that point where you have to realize the path i'm going is successful or will provide or the path i'm going you know isn't going to work out and i mean that's the harsh reality if you realize three years down the road that you're still taking videos and you've pitched it to X, Y, and Z companies and none of them are reaching out and you're kind of staying stagnant, it might be time to invest in something else. Um, but that's just the reality of most things in life. Like not everyone is going to be able to make a side income from passion number one, but if you have passion number two, you should look into that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you're trying to say that people should drop their passion unless it's monetarily advancing their lives. It's totally fine. I mean, I have a passion for fitness and I play sports and I am not going to go to the NBA or (laughs) be a fitness model anytime soon. So that's, it's totally fine to still hold on to those passions. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you were open to or exploring the ideas of, um, using your skills for side income then that would be definitely something to think about
1: i agree and going back to one of the first kind of non-traditional topics you touched on was real estate and i know earlier last year you and i had spoke on what you were trying to do with real estate and that Mm -hmm. it's very important to um, at least from what we speak about to have separate sources of income because in today's once again, today's world is probably one of the greatest worlds or greatest time frames of the world. Like you have so many opportunities to do things from a remote location from your home and communicate and be in the know that if you find something such as real estate, you can make income from that, um, from, you know, 800 miles away. And I think that's in terms of like, say you want to buy a a home, you see in the Midwest, a home's going for $90,000 and you have the ability to get a loan for that and purchase that. And then you're living in Washington and you're renting that out. You don't have to be in the Midwest with them. And I think that's something we kind of touched on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, but to preface that, uh, doing a lot of research and, uh, real estate investing and granted, I'm not a master or expert, but, I would say looking into it myself, I was considering buying a few properties out in Michigan. And uh, after talking to some people that are more knowledgeable than me, I re- I came to the conclusion that you really want to know the market that you're investing in first, cause you're putting that money over there. And if you haven't been around the area to see kind of what the culture of the community is, um, then I probably wouldn't feel safe putting my money there because it would be kind of like a blind leap of faith. Um, another thing to do too with that is, uh, realize that, I mean, what like how are you going to make money from this like are you buying to for appreciation are you buying for rental like you know rental income um, and then you'd make kind of your extrapolations from there with the knowledge you have but i think that investment uh, real estate investment is a huge it's a great um, unconventional investment or alternative investment just because of how scalable it is and Um, granted, I wouldn't technically call it passive income because there are some more like hands-on things if you're willing to like, you know, so for instance, let's say that I have a rental house and, um, I collect this check. You also got to think about, um, the depreciation that house is occurring on or the capital expenditures that are going to be having to happen, um. And am I, do I want to do those things? Like, do I want to fix a roof on my own or do I want to like, you know, contract that out to somebody or, you know, they clog the toilet and there's a plumbing problem. Do I want to do that on my own or do I want to contract that out? So I don't definitely don't think that it is a passive way of income, but it's something that is extraordinarily attractive. And like you said, it was a great segue between gigs and investment income. I think it is insane that some people will go throughout their whole lives and the only source of income or a way of supporting themselves is through their own time and work. I just think that's just kind of insane.
1: Yeah. I think it's just the ability to to be able to make an income. Like if you are listening to this, like, I know there's something that you are sitting on or you're thinking about or you're passionate about that you can turn in to some sort of income. And I'm not going to say it's going to come easy, um, example, real estate. But if you sit down for two hours a day and kind of research something about it and you find, Oh, I do like this. Oh, I'm good at socializing. I'm good at this, that you can turn it in or find something similar into creating that income. And I think it's also one of those things you have to realize, There are so many freelance jobs that are on the side or like new jobs that are coming up that you say you do work a nine to five. There isn't something that's stopping you from drop shipping, which is in turn, maybe if you, I guess we'll talk about that in a second, but say you're drop shipping from six to 10 at night or you're running that on the side, you know, a side website, that's necessarily not in the way of your 9 to 5 job but it's also another sense of income and once you kind of have that formalized um it's relatively easy to kind of keep that streamlined
0: yeah definitely and i don't think that these things or like your The things that you're going to be doing to kind of diversify your income streams need to be only side gigs while you work, too. I mean, they can have a fluid relationship between how much time they take up rather compared to other things. And with that being said, like, don't be afraid to take some of these things to the next level if you're confident in your skills and know that you can make it pencil.
1: Yeah. And I think, I guess we'll touch on drop shipping is something we also recently talked about in our, in our apartment is drop shipping is the idea of say you create a design or you create a product or, um, something of that creative nature and you don't have the means to necessarily make it or you don't have the means to deal with all of the shipping or, um, Incur all the little in and outs of it, and you go to Alibaba.com and find a producer who will make that product and give you 200 of them. And you find someone who will also ship that product where you don't ever see the tangible product besides the proof of it. Um, It just kind of gets the ball rolling. So, someone goes to Redbubble.com and finds a Stranger Things t shirt that you created. You aren't just printing those in your garage, someone else is printing those somewhere and they're shipping it out for you, and you're getting. You know the portion of that um, payment.
0: Yeah, and just so that people aren't getting lost in the weeds, Alibaba is a um, it's an online retailer that has uh, products, and they're notable for having really close to the wholesale prices. And you can get a hold of uh, a large amount of wholesalers from there. And Redbubble is a platform where you can design a t-shirt or something like that, or a uh, poster or graphic design. And they'll put it on certain, um, mediums as far as like a t-shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a sweatshirt or a picture or something. And, um, what they do is basically you get a royalty from every item they sell from there with your design on it and things like that, that are really scalable are, uh, I think great ideas and something that I would uh, suggest that you look into. Yeah.
1: I think kind of one of the last areas I talk on for a little bit is you've heard us talk about traditional investing, non-traditional investing. Um, and most of those have the same theme of you have to do your research. You can't just go in there blindsided and hope for success. Um, and there's so many ways for you to do your research. Um, we talked on it like education earlier, like, yeah, classes aren't teaching, you know, this is Alibaba and this is how it works. Or this is, um, you know, my preference to stocks or whatever it may be, you have the platforms out there to go out and find the knowledge to do so at a beginner scale and then create those networks. As we talked in, once it goes back to traditional investment, like creating a network is huge, like getting information from people successful in the industry or who know about the industry is huge. And I think as you go on, I, if you're just hoping that's something you're going to find that you're going to stumble upon and be like, boom, I know it. It's probably not going to happen. I know like when you went into real estate, what are some of the things that you had to go into and research to get your knowledge of it?
0: Um, uh, The thing that I looked into when I started in real estate was, I mean, the first thing I do norm- naturally is to immerse myself in it. So regardless if it's listening to podcasts or reading blogs or reading books or reading article posts or anything like that. um, I just am, I try to be the biggest sponge of knowledge that I possibly can be um, to first off accelerate my speed and like my working knowledge of these things. And then even running through like exercises that either I create myself or that people have done before just to kind of get that knowledge into a a working um, state, so to speak. So, I mean, just, I mean, the first thing you got to do is look for the knowledge and figure out why you're wanting to do this thing. Because if you don't have the why, and this is going to sound as cliche as ever, but if you don't know what your why is or why your are or your goal is, then, um, you're going to find yourself being kind of put off by it the first time you hit a speed bump in the road. Um, so you got to figure out what, like what you're doing this for in the first place. And then not being afraid to make mistakes and gain that knowledge. Yeah.
1: I think you touched on a good point there is that if you don't incur a speed bump or an obstacle or failure in the process, you aren't really immersing yourself. You want, because regardless of what you do, if you keep trying something and if you're just staying consistent, someone's going to try something new and fail and learn from that failure and jump a hundred percent in front of you. Um, And that's just part of the research and part of the grind that, um, nothing ever happened, nothing anyone ever did was just like, Oh, I opened the front door and now I'm a millionaire. Right. Um, and I think that's just one of those things that we'll probably touch on in another podcast is the access to knowledge and some of the things people should be doing that they aren't in this generation. But as a final take home, what would be your final clip of investment or how to benefit or become successful?
0: Um, well, my final take, and I hope you guys, uh, it's actionable and you can do it right now is do your flossing and do your research
1: (laughs) really on that flossing. I
0: can see that, man. Don't let it go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I would say just, just get after it, find it, do what you want, find something passionate, invest your time in it and find out if you can make a second income off it or if it's long-term or short-term, just find it and just go for it.
0: Uh, so uh, you guys.
1: that's going to be it for this episode off the top really hope you enjoyed it go ahead and leave some feedback at the bottom um and thanks for listening